0: Hello friends, have
1: a reboot episode for you. This episode was originally released June of 2017, which you will notice from our opening banter, which is very 2017 energy. (laughs) This episode is all about the life and work of Jean-Michel Basquiat, as well as um, some pretty solid discussion of the art market. If... That is a topic you're interested. We have since done a YouTube video also about the art market, so be sure to check out our YouTube channel. We'll also have that linked in the show notes. Also, big news from us here at the Art History Babes. We wrote a book. You can buy it. It's kind of cool. Once again, linked in the show notes where you can go to pre-order the Honest Art Dictionary written by the four of us. It has been where most of our energy has gone this past year, and we're really excited about it. So we would love it if you would check it out. And yeah, hope you enjoy this uh, classic grad school era art history babes episode. And hope y'all are doing well out there.
2: Welcome to the
3: podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Ginny. And we are the art history babes. And we back, and we back, and, and, we, back, and oh, we back oh, and we back.
2: And we back.
3: Wow. It
1: has been a minute. Also, the dubs just won the NBA championship. Science. So we're like <laughs>
2: riding right cloud nine <laughs> right now. Plus, we're done with fucking grad school. We submitted our theses. We're, like, sort of grading, but we really don't care anymore. Everybody for everyone. A A plus for you, A A. A minus for you, young sir. (laughs) I don't know know what the difference is. I really don't care. I had a student come into my office hours today who was like, I think that I deserve a B plus. And I was like, can you tell me why you thought you deserved a B plus? And then she gave me... Just some reasons, and I was like, "Of course, you get a B plus." As a matter of fact, I'll make it an A minus, and she walked out of my office on cloud nine. And I was like, "Fuck it, I graduate in like three days. I can do whatever I want. I am yeah. literally God right now, yeah. and that's fine." Yeah. She was very happy. Yeah,
1: you made so- your day. We've we've all written our theses. We've submitted them, um, which you know if you follow us on on social media because it's all we've been talking about. We've for, like, been the past
2: suffering, month. <laughs> dude. It was um, hard. It was a hard time. It was hard. It was rough. I well, cried true. so much. I cried. <laughs> I like. I drank too much. I ate a lot of Flaming Hot Cheetos. I ordered a lot of Indian food. Yeah. The dudes at the local Indian place just would be excited to come drop off my food because we'd have, like, a funny story. You know, we we would banter. (laughs) You're
1: tight with the dudes at what restaurants Catman dudes. Yeah, you're tight with those guys. Man, they
2: love me. I love them. It's just great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely a lot of takeout, a lot of just, like... Binge, binge everything binge in excess, everything. yeah, but
3: not enough sleep. Everything in excess, yeah. but sleep. We didn't binge on sleep, no, no.
1: <laughs> but we did it, and we we presented on our research, which went well. I think for all of I us, I think we were
2: all really good. It was nerve wracking.
1: It yeah. was, but we'll do. I think we should still definitely do some episodes, at least based, like, tangen- tangentially. I think that we will. I I <laughs> on on we our will.
2: theses, yeah. All of our theses, I mean, not to cheat my own horn, but, like, two two um (laughs) all of our theses are actually really fucking interesting they are so so. we'll do
1: true we're not gonna like do episodes necessarily presenting on our theses but we're gonna do some episodes that are related to our research because it's fresh in our mind and we went pretty deep with it obviously we're literally
2: masters of the information we are we might as well that's true but it's also like wow
3: Right? I know doesn't, we need
2: to change our tagline on the website. We are no longer for grad students who drink wine and discuss all things visual culture. Now we are for like
3: for people,
2: master, master, <laughs> for just a
1: few masters, just a few masters, you know, drinking wine and discussing all. Things yeah, we have to find culture. a
2: way to say that that doesn't sound as like douchey. Yeah, like, right. I don't know. I feel like I, I maybe believe- if we say
3: like master sorceresses.
2: <laughs> I mean, we could say like masters in art history,
1: mistress, Uh, masters. I don't even know. No, no. Here's
2: why I don't like mistress. I'm saying the word mattress. Mistress, mistress genders our achievement in a way that is somehow um, secondary. Right. True. You know, because calling yourself a mistress or a madam doesn't give that same no 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 no. that's why
3: I would combine them I would never just say I'm a mistress Mm -hmm. well maybe if I would if I was doing like a costume I was deep in character which sometimes happens
2: (laughs) sometimes Ginny gets really deep in character sometimes I
1: show up at her house and she's in a full period dress (laughs) she's
2: like um can I meet up with you guys in 45 minutes We're usually like, yes, please. Take all the time. You all should- this is a joke. <laughs> no, it's
1: not. But, yeah, so, I don't know. We'll work through it. We'll figure out what our new tagline's going to be. If you have any suggestions, email them to us. Oh, uh, yeah, I would yeah. love
2: to hear some. I feel like
3: all of my creative juices
2: are just, like, gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, So totally. My brain I, is, like, a... Puddle of Mud. Like the band? band? Yeah. What was that fucking song? Oh, God. Puddle of Mud. I don't even want to remember I do want to (laughs) remember It's stuck in my head forever. What was that song? Blurry? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Don't ask me. (laughs) Just forget I said anything. I saw Puddle of Mud live when I was like 12. (laughs) Of course you did. Of course you did. Uh, I like how mud had two D's in it. I know why. You're (laughs) right. You're right. It was blurry. Uh, oh man! I didn't oh even man! Know. That was the third my day. Uh, my boyfriend. His uh, dad is like is really in puddle mud and like stained. Stained! Yeah, no yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's hella cool, right? Because he listens to I, this music from like two thousand. I he's totally like, yeah. forgot about stained. Yeah, oh, man, they're still around, dude. Uh, yeah. They are.
1: That's crazy. Oh, uh, those those are the days back in middle school, just of. Very mediocre, like, alt-rock. But, yeah, anyways, the Warriors just won the finals. We're pretty stoked on that. If you're into basketball and you were watching, KD and his mom was just, like, the cutest Aww. thing in the entire world. Like, yeah. holy shit. I legit
2: tears. Yeah, we were, like,
1: crying. It was a whole thing. Well,
2: they were just so cute. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> she, she was, was so, so proud, proud of her <laughs> son. Like, her son just did an amazing job. And, you know... Helped win the NBA like MVP championship. baby. He's yeah. an MVP. Wow, it was great. And um, you know what? He's like an MVP. that was
1: super cool. And now we're back. We're gonna talk about some shit. Um, we're gonna talk basquiat also, basically this next week we're gonna just try and drop like multiple episodes before we run off to Europe on you guys. Oh
2: shit, we're gonna go to Europe and we're <laughs> going to flood the Instagram. Yeah, you're gonna get yeah. so many Holy pics. Holy hell, the Instagram's gonna be lit. Oh. I just found out I had unlimited data in Europe. <laughs> hell yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you know? I'm <laughs> well, well, just gonna well. Be blowing up our social media. You're gonna
1: get so many pics of us in front of like castles and frogs. Yeah. And shit. We're gonna
2: be doing like borderline inappropriate shit and most of these pictures, and it's just gonna be hilarious. <laughs> I can't wait. They have clubs in Berlin, just like. I think they can't take pictures in there. I think they'll kick really? you out. That's yeah, hilarious. Really? Yeah, because people do like. I like that even more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, know, yeah. now you'll just have to imagine. Yeah. We'll, well, I'm we'll sorry, see. Guys. We'll see, but I know for sure that there are some places that are like no cell phones. Damn. They don't even um, let you
3: bring in your phone? They like will kick you, you out if
2: they see you using it. What? I swear. What if
3: you get separated from your
2: group? Right? right? You're just supposed to um, ride Do the they ride. have a PSA
3: <laughs> system?
2: I don't know, dude. Hello. <laughs> we should probably stay. Un Fräulein Americana. <laughs> we should probably just like stick to the clubs where we can use our ourselves I don't want to get lost in
3: some like Berlin dungeon club (laughs) (laughs) because it would happen
2: Uh, I'd just be like oh I'm gonna
3: go pee guys see you in a bit like go down some like dark stone stairwell and just like emerge into some shit that I in like a vampire's den yeah Yeah. And just be like no no no, no. <laughs> nine
2: nine. nine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the the Kaiser of the dungeon. Like, let me. I'm sorry, Germany. Times. I don't
3: mean to stereotype you. Yeah, I love you. We're,
2: we're just being ridiculous. <laughs> no, right I now. mean we have here in California like a whole. Very thriving BDSM. Kind of <laughs> very, very true. So very you know true. Germany I know and probably
3: name. some vampires too. Maybe.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I know that definitely. Germany's into some freaky shit, and you know what, we are too. So um, I can't wait to compare notes.
1: <laughs> Anyways, um, get get on our get on our That's social media because
2: really we're gonna have transition. We're
1: gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have. Lots of uh stories and pictures and all that good stuff while we're gone. But
2: you better believe it. Yeah.
1: And this episode is about Jean Michel Obasquia. Yeah,
2: we just uh, were thinking about him the other day. He's been in the
1: news. He's been in the news, we've just been thinking about him. Just oh, man. thinking. Just ruminating.
2: I was ruminating and then I got very upset. <laughs> do you do you got beef Jen? You know what dude I have beef? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because CNNBC just thought that they were being so fucking clever. Fucking talking CNBC. Like, oh, a Basquats Untitled went for $110.5 million. And, you know, so they kind of spotlight this guy, Isaku Maezawa, 41 year old uh e commerce billionaire. He's worth more than $3 billion. He's very useful looking, too. He's 41, but he looks like He's actually very cute. Yeah, Uh, I was like, oh, hello. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I guess uh, he started as an indie rock star. Switch style.
1: Yeah, switch style. He was a singer for an indie rock
2: band. Now um, he's a fashion entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Uh, entrepreneur. Wow, trapreneur. I'm sorry, I don't know French words.
1: A fur trapper. A fur trapper. <laughs> um, he founded a online shopping mall and just made <laughs> billions, basically. That's fucking cool. nuts, yeah. dude. What's
2: his online shopping mall? Um,
1: called? Zozo. Zozo Town.
2: Oh, I've heard of Zozo. Zozo,
1: Zozo Town. And he's also pretty pretty dope is it
2: like soto sopa <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, he imposes a six hour work day for his employees Great. because he wants them to spend more time America, with their families.
3: take note, please. Because that's
1: what you do when you're a good dude and you're a billionaire and you're like, I want to take care of my employees.
3: It seems like a really
1: cool dude. Also, he's a Basquiat fan, so like.
2: And he just happens to be filthy rich. Yeah, so he right. He bought some paintings.
1: He seems hella chill. But, anyways, back to your beef.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. You know, we're watching this shit on CNNBC, and they're going on about like, oh, this very rich man from Japan bought this painting for blah 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 110.5 10. 10. million, and then they just like devolve and start this, talking shit. They just devolve into this whole thing about like how. Um, you know, well, I mean, if he likes it, then I guess more power to him or some kind yeah, of shit like that. Some and
1: stupid, ignorant bullshit. Basically, like, pulling out every cliched modern art joke you can possibly, like, think of. Like, they yeah. literally do the, like, my child could paint that thing. Like, they pull out a child's artwork. It was artwork. they
2: put up, uh, Emma, who, by the way, Emma... You know I thought her art was dope. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's Emma, cool. They I call her unicorn vomit. <laughs> yeah, they call it unicorn vomit. I know for a fact that little Emma did not name her painting Unicorn Vomit. Have some fucking respect. For real. How dare you? Okay. <laughs> Literally, like, that is so disrespectful and weird and rude. And why would you compare a child's art to Bosqua? And also, the painting that they chose to make their comparison didn't look anything like a Bosqua, yeah. ever. And anyway, it was just infuriating. As in poor form. It was sure. super ignorant. You it know? was, it,
1: like, they, they showed, I mean, the main dude seemed a little more like he knew what he was talking about, but was
2: just trying to, like, you know, but then play. He was cool. like,
3: he's the new Andy Warhol like oh mm-hmm. bitch
2: <laughs> like, you obviously don't know what the fuck is going on and also I just want to know what their names are so <laughs>
3: um, we're going to we're going to write them a letter.
2: No, <laughs> my, my beef is real, and gonna, I'm we're, upset. We're
1: putting them on blast right now. We're going to definitely have a link to that video. It's on YouTube. We're going to have a link. Tell us their names. On our page. Like, go on there. You know, get in the YouTube comments. Like, because it was just, like, yeah, it was in totally poor taste, and it showed zero understanding of, like, what Basquiat is or has done. Like, it was just so ignorant the entire thing it was
2: very upsetting and i think that i would like to have words with whoever they are i mean let's get them on the show let's have a dialogue (laughs) let's talk about how you're wrong and (laughs) shitty for your shitty opinion and we're gonna tell you why your opinion is bad, and you should feel bad. But it was
1: also the way they, like, handled it. It's like, you can not like Bosquette's work. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But it was handled in this very, like, stupid, ignorant way. Yes. They just, like, yes. didn't understand what they were even talking about. And I was like, you are doing, all you're doing is
2: oh, 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 oh. Oh. We almost had a wine. Almost saw some wine. But
1: it, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Um, Woo. but they basically were like, we're gonna do this, like, four minute spotlight on this really rich dude who bought a painting about it. and like not actually give any, any, you know, time or understanding to the work itself, which is like everything that's wrong with the art market. Like <laughs>
2: It was yeah. just like, let's talk about this rich dude who bought a painting and not actually
1: like understand the art at all. It yeah. was stupid.
2: Also, I mean, I mean, I, I think that I might delve deeper into this if I do get the opportunity to craft some sort of letter to these two particular people at CNNBC, comparing a black man's art to children's art yeah. is gross. fucking gross, dude. Yeah, Like, seriously. That is disgusting. That's the basis behind primitivism. Mm-hmm. That's what all of the gross-ass impressionists like Gauguin were out there doing. Fuck you, Gauguin. We hate Gauguin. Um, I want him to
3: come back in spirit form so I can just be like, fuck you.
2: (laughs) Infantilizing, like, people of color's artwork is disgusting. And you should be ashamed of yourself. For real.
1: For real. And yeah, and at the end of the day, it's not even like, I know they thought they were, like, being clever and funny. But it's, like, not. Like everyone has heard the "my child could do that" argument, or even I could paint that. I've yeah. heard people say that, in and New it's like, so no, so you fucking times. couldn't. Like if, he, like Basquiat was a fucking genius. Like his work was so cerebral and like so interesting, and it's like for you to not even take. A second to try and understand that is
3: so offensive. Like, it's
2: so fucking offensive. It just goes to
3: show that they don't have, like, any even tiny little speck of creativity. And it's probably just jealous. Yeah, right? But it's ill-informed. And, of course, we understand that, like, there are a lot of issues about the art market where you, like, hear about things that sell for these just insane prices. So it's not like there's some validity to that but like the way that you choose to talk about the work itself like even if it's not to your taste just because it's not to your taste doesn't mean like oh it's not art and it just happened to be that way like no artist just happens to make it like that fucking far (laughs) to where they're that successful and prolific Like, that doesn't just happen without any, even, like, a little bit of skill. Like, it's just... the
2: fact that, oh, like, someone could just be living in this world where they're like, I don't know how I got this famous. It's like, that doesn't happen, actually. (laughs) No. That really
1: doesn't happen. Well, it just showed, like, yeah, the whole thing showed zero understanding of, like, the fact that Basquiat was, yeah, super prolific and was a big deal in the artwork when he was, or when in he was our world when he yeah. was alive. And he continues to be a super big deal. It's like you just didn't even take the time to understand what you're talking about.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
1: But you bring up a really good point. I think um, before we kind of dive more into just Basquiat, you know, biographical information and in like his work, we should talk a little bit about the art market and mm-hmm. how this work kind of is, um, I mean, it's a big deal. So he, he broke the record. This painting sold for $110.5 million, which um, broke the previous record, which was held by an Andy Warhol work. I actually don't know what work it was. I don't but he broke Andy Warhol's record, which is dope because I think. I, think I wish Jen was out here because she would talk mad shit about Andy Warhol. But, she, um, will. she will <laughs> shortly. Um, I, she'll come back and she'll do it. Like super stoked he has the record now I'd much rather Basquiat have the record than Andy Warhol like much rather however there are some things to be talked about in terms of the art market like I know like Ginny what do you think about a painting selling for 110.5 million I
3: mean uh, for me it is unsettling just because I can't even fathom that amount of money and I look at it like akin to a lot of like the housing market you know where yeah. you hear about these places that sell for these incredible amounts of money you're like is it really worth that though like and who is pushing the market value for that for because sure. it's a very very small percentage of people so in that sense i ha- it's problematic problematic and it's not a world that i think i will ever get into maybe <laughs> i'm wrong
2: Maybe Maybe, I'll maybe just... you guys
1: will start donating to our Patreon like crazy and we're going to be buying Basquiat soon. Uh
2: <laughs> that I just would open a super cool gallery somewhere and be like, "Oh, our rich patrons have facilitated these purchases." <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm about it. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean like I'm saying if I had the money, I of course wouldn't be like, "Oh, for shame." Like I you know <laughs> But... Here's the thing, though. We're (laughs) never going to have money. Exactly. (laughs) Okay,
1: see, like, I kind of come at it from a similar but different perspective. Like, okay, like I said, really glad Basquiat has the record I want him to have it over Andy Warhol I love his work I think it's super interesting and super prolific and obviously I think art is of value and it's important yeah I don't think anything is worth 110.5 million dollars yeah like nothing like nothing at all is it's worth not, that much money dude.
2: and we've and had blood sweat and tears over visual culture exactly and And i don't not worth that much
1: exactly i just don't and especially because he has he is long dead and he will not see any of that that money is going to sotheby's that money is going to the people who sell it and that's the problem with the art market is like all of these huge purchases all of these million dollar purchases of art the money doesn't typically go to the artists because it's always dead artists that sell at auction. And then the money goes to fucking Sotheby's and it's like, or Christie's or Christie's. yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, I mean, I'm all for like working artists getting paid for their work, like 100%. But at the same time, putting this insane of a price on a work where the artist is never going to see it. It it just becomes this investment, and it becomes this power play of like, yeah. look at this important piece of artwork that I have. And at that point, it becomes problematic because I think, and and this is going back to the ideology of Basquiat himself. Basquiat did not appreciate elitism, and no. like at all, like at all, he was not a fan of it, and he wanted art to be for the people. And if you have rich ass people buying his art for their own private collections, then the art's not for the people anymore, you know? Yeah. And I think that's at least something to think about. Like, you can disagree with me, but it's at least something to think about. No, that's very valid. I agree.
3: And I agree. Yeah, for sure. And that's, oh, it's It's complicated. It is, and you can talk
1: yourself in circles around so much of it. That same week that that work was sold for the $110.5 19 um, other Basquiat sold that week. For a total of over $200 For all of them.
2: <laughs> right? And it's like, yeah, like it's said, just so fucking wild because
3: there's a documentary on Vas- on Basquiat um, called, oh fuck, what is it called? Is it um, The Radiant Child? Radiant Child, yes. And it's super good. It's on YouTube. You it is. It. We'll, we'll link it. But they talk about how, you know, when he was first starting living in New York, how he had a crush on this um, woman who was later, like, a long-term girlfriend of his, and she worked in a bar, and he would just go into the bar and, like, stand there and, like, watch her because he was so fucking poor, he couldn't even buy a drink. Yeah. And then when he finally made enough money to buy a drink, then he went in and bought a drink, and now it's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is just crazy. Yeah. That is, I mean, I'm, <clears throat> like, if he knew, like, it's... I don't feel like he would feel okay about that. Yeah,
1: okay, so the thing with Basquiat is he definitely wanted to be famous. And we'll we'll continue to talk about this more. He definitely was, like, hella motivated. And he wanted to be famous. He wanted to be a big deal. And like I said, he was super cerebral. And he, like, wanted his work to get noticed. I think he definitely wanted to make money, obviously. But also, like, the beginnings of his work came from total just, like, Like, he was entire, like, he was homeless. Yeah. He was panhandling. Yeah. Like, he, his work did not come from a concern with money. While he did want to make it, he was (laughs) not, like, a financially minded person. No. In any way. And so, like, if he was around today, if yeah, if you went up to Bosco and were, like, your painting is sold sold for $110.5 million dollars, I feel oh. like he wouldn't even be able to wrap his head around that. You yeah, know
2: what I mean? uh, he also, I think, would have been stoked, though. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, like, any artist would be stoked that, like,
1: their yeah. painting is that, you know, well-received, I think.
2: Vasco was a very, I think, practical artist, and he understood how the art market worked. Yeah. And a lot of his understanding of this came from his relationship with Andy Warhol who yes. also understood that art is commerce essentially yes.
1: but also I feel like we should go back and kind of talk about his rise to Andy Warhol because I feel like there was a big shift we yeah. in who he was when he yes. met Andy Warhol okay so Jean-Michel Basquiat he was born in I have it written down uh, December 22nd 1960 he left home at the age of 17. He ran away. So his mother was from Puerto Rico. His father was from Haiti. They were immigrants, and then he's first generation. Mm-hmm. So he was a first generation yeah. immigrant? Yes. Is that the right term? I
3: don't know. I don't know. First generation American. Yeah, first generation. There we there go. You go.
1: Um, and his mom was like, she was an artist. She was in art. She would take him to, to mm-hmm. different um, art museums and stuff. He was a junior member of the Brooklyn... At age six, he was a junior member of the Brooklyn Museum, which is super cute. Wow! And Guernica was always one of his favorites, like uh, from a young age. He was oh shit! Really into Picasso's Guernica, which makes sense. Did you watch that Boscott movie with the actors? Like, it's a biography yeah. of the actors. Yeah. It was uh, the last time I saw it was a long time ago, but yeah, right. I've
2: seen it. before. The opening like scene is like him as a child with his mom, and they're mm-hmm. watching. They're like looking at Guernica. Oh,
1: that's perfect. And
2: he's like. He kinda like cries and is sort of like, What am I looking at? Like Aww. but it's like his introduction to Is that, to that the movie world? where
3: David Bowie plays? Yes. 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 So that is the weirdest combination. But it's very good. <laughs> Bowie playing world like it's on it's another kind of level me. now. I, think
2: yeah. it's, I highly recommend the film. I really enjoyed it. No, it's it really it good. Great. It's
1: called Basquiat. I think you can like buy it on YouTube. You can find it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a really good film. David Bowie plays Andy Warhol, Like, if that's not enough to pull you in.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's great, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's a great film. Um, You should definitely check it out. So he his mom would take him to museums, and she was very artistic. She also, i think had like some mental health issues. but then her dad or his dad was an accountant, so you had kind of this like mm. it was very. I don't know, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Practical. Yeah, practical. He was a very practical dude. So he had, like, kind of both sides. He had, like, the right brain, left brain, even though that's the right brain, left brain thing's bullshit, but still. And then at age of 17, he ran away from home to New York City and basically just dove into this world of, like, artists and shit that, like, in the 70s were just, like, they would make art, they would make music, they would write poetry, they were just, like, doing all the arts and we're all poor. And there was, like, a group of, what was it? They were called the Downtown 500. So there was, like, a group of, like, f- like roughly 500 people in New York City that all, like, worked together and kind of hung out. And they were all, like, artists on all different levels. Yeah. Like, visual, dancers, musicians, all of this. And they'd party together. Sounds amazing.
2: That sounds so dope. <laughs> I know, <Yeah>. right? <gasps> Can um, we be there? I know, right? Oh it God. sounds so
1: cool. But, yeah, so they were all, like, just, like, poor, starving artists. And, you know, he just kind of jumped right in there. He first got noticed doing tags, doing street art by the name of Samo. Mm. And it was him and his friend Al Diaz. And they would do these these tags, but the reason they got noticed because this was a, a time when street art was first like coming up. You know, people yeah. would tag their names in very stylistic lettering all over the city, especially in New York City. That's yeah. where it got its start. But he came in, him and his buddy Al. They came in and they did. They would do these tags that were like oddly poetic. They wouldn't do the stylistic lettering. They would. Their tag was SAMO with like the the copyright, mm-hmm. Like so S-A-M-O and then the copyright symbol. They'd have all these poetic phrases. SAMO does not cause cancer in laboratory animals. A pin drops like a pungent odor. SAMO for the so-called avant-garde. It got noticed really fast because it was different from yeah. the typical street art that people were seeing. It's like these were like poetic statements. He was also in this band called Grey. Which, he didn't play any instruments at all. Um, him, and there's okay. one, there's one other dude who didn't know how to play an instrument that were in the band, and then, like, a few other people that didn't know how to play instruments. <laughs> so, it was very, once again, it was, avant, like, very avant-garde, like, kind of out there music, but, like, people were about it, because that was kind of the vibe of this I'd circle. Be in the band. I don't right. play instruments. Exactly! Me too! Like, I just... Ham around some drums, whatever. I um, tambourine. Yeah, and that was kind of what it was. It was very artistic, and it was very just like... It, it was all about expression, I feel mm-hmm. like. From what I understand from the circle, it was just like a bunch of people expressing themselves in literally any way they could get their hands on, which is hella cool. So yeah, so he was kind of getting recognized in underground circles for this, but he wasn't making any money off of any of it. He was literally... A starving artist was like living with girlfriends was couch surfing was panhandling i was watching this documentary the radiant child which mm-hmm. you should all watch there's interviews with him where he's just like he literally doesn't know how he how he survived for yeah. like multiple years yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he
2: lived in like a box <clears> yeah he was just
1: <throat> like just getting by making his art somehow he didn't have part-time jobs, he didn't, like, do anything like that, but he did start making money by doing t-shirts and postcards and collages, mm-hmm. and then he would try to sell them, and this is where Andy Warhol comes in. Hmm. So he, at, at one point, he saw Andy Warhol in a restaurant, just, like, randomly, and this was before he was, like, making a name for himself, and he just, like, walks up in there and sells <laughs> him some of his postcards, and, like, Andy Warhol bought them. I don't think he was, like, particularly impressed, but he bought a couple yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. That was that was where the connection first mm-hmm. started. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Debbie Harry of Blondie bought his first painting for two hundred dollars. Debbie,
2: right? <laughs> Debbie, right? <laughs> That's um, my babe.
1: Yeah. So Debbie Harry and her boyfriend at the time bought his first painting for two hundred dollars. His first like full scale painting. Interestingly, Basquiat was later in the video for Rapture. Blondie's sure. video for Rapture. Sure. So he's kind of starting to make some chump change off of his art. And then um, people start to take notice. This guy's doing something really interesting. I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Anina Nose. actually I think that's right, Anina Nose. She was an important like gallery owner at the time. And she came across his work and really liked it and thought it was really interesting. She had seen his work in some kind of show. She went to his apartment. And she, he didn't have any finished work, and he's like, "I want to be in your gallery," but he didn't have any finished work, and, and he was straight up, he was like, "Well, give me some money to go buy canvas." Yeah. So she gave him money, and then she was like, "Okay, you can like live in the basement of my studio and like make work," and that's kind of where shit really like started Took off. To take off because yeah. he was like, he had the space." He was able to make these, like, large-scale paintings and stuff. His first full show at her gallery, all of his work sold.
2: Yeah. Like, immediately. Nice. Yeah. yeah. When Annie Warhol comes in, is was really uh, 1982, so his Zurich dealer actually uh, brought Basquiat to the factory this guy, Bruno Bischoffberger. Yeah, I think he's in the documentary. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So he introduces them and they immediately begin this dynamic friendship where they, like, sort of feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. So it's been described in a lot of these different sources as, like, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah you know, uh, Annie Warhol, I think, recognized that he was on his way out. Like, Oh, was, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he totally recognized it. He's like, I'm on my way out. Like, I'm kind of, I'm reaching that point of, like, a has-been. And I don't think he was handling it well. No, <laughs> no. I think he was no. handling it really poorly. I think that Annie Warhol had been through a lot of accusations thus far of having been this person who kind of just, like, leached off of other people, and I feel like that's what he did to Basquiat, but Basquiat also benefited from that relationship. Yeah, yes. oh, definitely. Like, really much. So Basquiat, as mentioned previously, uh, he was really overwhelmed by the fact that he was even a celebrity. He was just like, what the fuck? Like, what is that? <laughs> I was living in a box. Like, now I'm, like, famous. And uh he really gravitated towards Warhol as this like protective alter right. ego, definitely. So between 1983 and 1985 they made like a ton of collaborative works. Um one of their finest examples was just called Untitled from 1984. I'm not sure if that's the one that sold. Is that the same Untitled that Probably sold not. For $110 million? No, because it wasn't a collaborative work that okay. sold. It, I think it was just Basquiat. Yeah. They just started to feed off each other, and they formed this relationship that was somewhat of a father figure role relationship. Like, Basquiat actually formed a really intense Uh, relationship with Andy Warhol. Some people have, like, theorized that they had some kind of homosexual relationship. I don't care about that. I know a lot of people
1: said straight up that Andy Warhol was in love with Basquiat. But, like, multiple people who were involved with Basquiat said that he was, like, Strictly hetero, but at the same time... Also, multiple people were involved with Basquiat. Yeah, a lot of people were involved with
2: Basquiat. He was a heartbreaker. Oh, for real. Like,
1: okay, so the thing about Basquiat is he's got that, like, enigmatic, mysterious, like, almost, like, prince-like quality. Oh. Where he's just, like, you're just, like... Yeah, like, he's just, like, sexy in a way you don't quite understand, you know? Which is like, the sexiest. I know, yes, right? true. He just, like, he's so enigmatic and kind of doesn't give a shit and is just, like, in his own world. Yeah, so many women and broke so many hearts and had so many long-term girlfriends, some, like, at the same
2: time. Yeah, they are like, all kind of, like, whoo. equally financing him. <laughs> yeah. Like, God damn it!
1: But speaking of his girlfriends, one of the main like, main girlfriends, the, who Jenny was talking about earlier that was the bartender. Yeah. Her name was Suzanne Maluk, Maluk, and she was, like, around for a long time. Like, he lived with her a lot and stuff like that. They were, like, a pretty long-term thing, and he would do a lot of paintings with her, like, or he would do a lot of paintings with a Venus figure, and, like, she was always mm-hmm. the Venus figure. Like, anything with Venus in it was supposed to represent her, basically, but... Where shit gets kind of interesting is, if you didn't know, Basquiat had an affair with Madonna. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's real. That's the thing that happened. And there's a painting called A Panel of Experts, uh, made in 1987. And it was painted while he was having this affair with Madonna, but, like, Suzanne was still in his life. And in the painting, it's got Venus punching Madonna, like, in
2: the painting. (laughs) What a oh. fucking asshole, dude. <laughs>
3: but, like, does that show who his favorite was? Like, yeah, right? I, <laughs> am, right? I don't shows, know. like,
2: how much of a hotshot he thinks he is. I know, but
3: at the same time if I was in that situation,
2: like... I'd rather be be punching
1: Madonna than, like, Madonna, you know, winning out. Right. At least I'm fighting Madonna. I don't (laughs) mean that, but
2: also, it's like, ow, do you... No, it's still fucked up, of
1: course. Why you
2: gotta do that?
1: But it's a really interesting painting.
2: It'll obviously
1: be on our images. And uh, there's other things going on because all of his stuff was, you know, very, like, there was so much... What was the... There's a phrase okay so he used this phrase in talking about his work multiple times he would say is a boom for real um a boom <laughs> for real exactly and it was because Sick. i think it's so like perfect because he thought of his work as almost like an explosion mm-hmm. and it's so true it's so much of his work is this explosion of different images and yeah. ideas and it's just the remnants oh sorry. yes it's this the remnants of this like beautiful big
2: bang that's true that's true and you want to sort of make fun of it like oh really it's a boom for real but (laughs) also like it is i can't think of a better way to describe it it's like all right shit like i guess you get to describe (laughs) your
1: work that way and that's part of what makes it so intriguing and so important is because he was coming at a at a time where minimalism was so huge yeah and his work is so undeniably expressive it's just like expression. It's yes. like everything that's going on in his head, it's got just a lot of emotion on a canvas, yeah. and it's like beautiful and interesting. And it's kind of the anti minimalism, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Like it's really cool. I think it's. I mean, I'm. I don't hate on minimalism. Like I like minimalism, but I think it's way more interesting. Yeah,
3: especially when a lot of his contemporaries were dudes like Rothko. Exactly. <laughs> like-
1: There's something very stream of consciousness about his work there's something very real about an explosion of his thoughts and what's happening to him. So the fact that he would include, like, in this in this painting, a panel of experts, like, it's not just about his girlfriend and Madonna having it out. Like, there's a lot of other things going on in this painting, and it's just him, like, expressing what's going on in his life, which I think is, like, super fascinating. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Madonna.
1: So that... I guess kind of brings us to the point of where he, like, started getting pretty famous, obviously. He was, like, hooking up with right. Madonna. Right, I mean,
3: especially in the 80s, like, shit. Yeah,
1: right? Now it would be, like,
3: oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Aww, <Madonna.
1: laughs> um But, yeah, so he was, like, you know, getting pretty famous. And this, you know, is also, yeah, where, like, he got real tight with Andy Warhol. And... A lot of his close friends recognized a shift in yeah. him at this point where like, yeah. he was, he was, so he was like, you know, on Made the verge, yeah, he was on the verge of being like a millionaire, right? He didn't have a bank account. Like he didn't, he wanted to be famous, but he wasn't great with money, basically. Right. And so he just like would hide his money like all over his apartment, like under like cushions and shit. And he was having parties like every night. That is and insane.
2: He, I, I did not <laughs> I'm like. Stay out of my house. Yeah, like, he was having parties.
1: He was having parties constantly, and he just had stacks of cash hidden like all over. His it's apartment. like Chris
2: Brown. Yeah,
1: <laughs> fuck Chris Brown.
2: For <laughs> real. I, I only
3: meant that comparison and that Brown. <laughs> Chris Brown invites random people to his house for parties and they steal shit from him, and he probably should stop. I'll
2: fight
3: him right now. <laughs> well, I'll fight Chris Brown.
2: <laughs> Chris Brown, you need help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so
1: he got to this point where he's fairly famous and, and I mean, at least from what people close to him recall is it's weird because he wanted that he wanted to be a big deal and he had the, the right to want that. Cause he was yeah. like, he was pretty genius. Like he was doing amazing things, but like once, once the fame really started to hit, that was also probably not surprisingly when he started doing heavier drugs everyone is expensive dude exactly and so he's doing more and more drugs and as as has been relayed by like some of people the people closer to him is like when you get to that certain level of fame you one have a right to be paranoid because people are trying to exploit you yes but at the same time the drugs don't help that exactly. at all exactly so he's doing more drugs And he's also worried he's being exploited for good reason. Because he was being exploited by people. And it just... He just kind of starts to spiral really fast. Yep. I also think his age had something to do with that. I think, like, that level of fame at, like, 25... I can't even fathom Right? Like, it's just... I can barely handle just regular life, like, in yeah. my 20s, you Yeah, know? Oh. We've been
2: out recently where people are like, oh my god, are you guys the art history names?" And I'm like, ah!
1: Uh, that happened once. No, no,
2: no, there <laughs> was that chick at the bar, remember?
3: Oh, yeah,
2: it happened twice. It twice. twice, it happened twice. Who's the chick
3: at the bar? Oh, the chick from
2: Lithuania? You weren't there. No, no. I don't think she was from <laughs>
3: Lithuania. Okay, you know. so it happened to us twice, and it was very <laughs> cool,
1: and like... It was w- so cool. But and those two very... Kind of
3: laid back situations. We were like, oh. ah, yeah, we like, and we're
1: not making millions of dollars off we're this. We're making any. no
3: dollars. <laughs> we made some, some. Okay, we
1: made we made approximately three hundred dollars. <laughs>
3: Hell, <Hey-o. laughs> three hundred is better than no hundred. It is, and, and the we're very appreciative. Spartans
2: took down the Persians, according to Frank Miller. Yes. Yeah. Okay,
3: yeah.
1: Anyone who has contributed to those $300, we're very grateful. We love you. We love you very much. So having that insane level of of fame and just, obviously, like, everyone wanted to sleep with him. Everyone wanted a piece of him. Everyone wanted to talk yeah. to him. He was, like, a big fucking deal, The women man. wanted
2: to be with him. The men wanted to be with him. <laughs> for real, though.
1: Everyone wanted a piece of him. And
3: I can't... And for have, someone who's also, like, he strikes me as... As having been like a very introverted person, yeah, and being an introverted person and having that level of exposure and people just around you all the time, it just—he's
1: one of those fascinating people. Like, oh. I, like I get it. He's very like he's definitely introverted, but like likes to party all the time, which right? I feel like. That, like I I'm that. very introverted but like to party
2: I think it's all of us I yeah, think, we want to whoa. be alone for the most part but then when we are being social we want to burn a building down <laughs> yeah that's a fair way to put it yeah. um, like leave you alone for the most part unless you want to commit arson <laughs> <laughs> in a very public way. <laughs> in which case, I'm down.
1: No, I feel like that's kind of an artist mentality. I think people are attracted to art. Like, we tend to be very introverted in the sense that we like to I like to spend a lot of time alone. I can spend all weekend by myself just, like, reading and, like, on the internet. And yeah. I'm very happy. Watching yes. some
2: crazy documentaries. Watching
1: documentaries. And I'm like, I need that. But then, like, after, like, three or four days, I'm yes. like, I, yeah, I need to burn yes, some shit for down. Sure. For sure. Like, I need to get hella social. I need to dance it out in a yeah. club. Like, so... I want to know
2: about your problems.
1: Yeah. So it's that that interesting space between introversion and extroversion that I think he definitely experienced because Mm. he was like a... He he partied all the time. Yeah. But he was clearly in his own head constantly. Yes. Yes. Like, it's very obvious in any interview you watch with him, he lived in his own head. Which is what made his art so compelling is because it was this expression of literally what was going on in his head at any given moment, which is so fucking cool. Yes
3: and again CNBC you don't fucking get it
1: yeah get out we don't
2: like you get out
1: CNBC but also from an art historical perspective
3: this is also for you CNBC
1: if you don't just like appreciate his work aesthetically or take the time to understand it his work had mad art historical references yeah, right, yes. all over the fucking place. He would reference Da Vinci. He knew what he was He would reference he knew. Van Gogh, yeah. Picasso, de Kooning, Pollock, like everybody.
2: Movements. Every movements. Everything. He knew his shit. And like he mocked movements. Yeah. I think that he was an ultimate, like, well, okay, so he's been described as a neo expressionist, which I think is a good description. I also think that if we're getting on that label hype, um, we need to <laughs> add to that as a postmodern neo Oh, definitely. Yes.
1: He's postmodern all day. Like yeah. so much of postmodernism. Yeah, and
2: if we want to get, the, it had the irony, it had yeah, the cynicism. Yeah. And if we want to get like really um <laughs> like deep into his shit, um the fact that race really influences yes. his work yes. and I would like to look at Buscruz's work through a post-colonial lens. Hell yeah. And I think that that is why I am equally as upset as all the rest of us at CNNBC, because how fucking dare you compare a black man's work to a child's work? You know what you did. You know it's heinous. <laughs> I'm not going to hear any excuses. That shit was nasty. Yeah. And really upsetting and there's
1: uh, there's um an interview on on that documentary um mm-hmm.
2: the radiant child there's an
1: interview with fascia and it's yes. so great because he just keeps his cool so well someone like i don't even know it was some some white dude was like talking to him about his work and i don't think he meant to be as horrible as what he said was but like he was just like he brought up the term, like, there's something, like, primitive or something about your work. And Basquiat just stops. He's, like, like a primate. And, like, the white dude, like, stops in his track. Oh. And Basquiat just kind of giggles. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, like, seriously, like, fuck off. Like, I'm so... I know we talked about this in the Cubism episode, mm. but fuck the term primitivism. Yeah. Like, oh, I know. Fuck it.
2: I talk about primitivism a lot in my thesis. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, so messed up. It's, like... Okay it's so the the whole like the whole sort of mentality behind primitivism is that the so a an industrialist Europe is constructing european utopias and so this idea of utopia mm-hmm. is huge in like early yes. i'm talking like 19th 20th century yeah, oh hell yeah utopia and it, like all over writing the place. about utopia yes. has become like just huge everyone is interested in going back to a utopia and the utopia is always a pre-colonized world with a right. natural man and so famously these modernist artists cite African masks Mm -hmm. and Mesoamerican forms, and um, even like Japanese calligraphy and Japanese hand scrolls, Japanese woodblock prints. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These things become hailed among the like, modernist of the early 20th century as being something that's coming from that place of a natural man yeah. that is untouched by the trappings yeah, of, of Europe and civilization. civilization. <laughs> oh, civilization? Yeah. No. <laughs> I want to be nude on a sand beach and drink water out of a coconut. And, and if you're
1: Gauguin, take advantage of young girls. Like, yeah.
3: Fucko Gam. That episode's coming out. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, man. We got to get there. We've been yeah. talking we about it for so there. long. It's
3: coming. Okay. But, anyways.
2: Anyways, I really hate any time that anyone calls anything primitive.
3: Yeah. No, yeah, it's just fucked
1: the fuck up. out my face.
2: It's, it's just, it,
1: yeah, it's just a fucked up term. And, like, we can describe these artworks so much better. Like, I really, so I love the name of the documentary, The Radiant yeah. Child. And I, there are, are, points where his work is discussed as him expressing his inner child Mm -hmm. which is very real because uh, so he at the age of seven he was hit by a car I mean how many amazing artists were fucking in car accidents like what?
2: (laughs) Um, well Frida was hit by a bus in a trolley or wait was she in a She was in a trolley and hit by a bus? Yeah. She was in a trolley and she got hit by a bus.
1: But anyways, he was hit by a car at the age of seven, and it was a very, like, traumatic experience for him, but it also, like, is really important in his artwork because he... So he... Was in the hospital for a while. He had his spleen removed, I believe. It was, you know, it was a, it was a big deal. It wasn't just, like, he got tapped yeah. by a car. Like, it was, you know, pretty fatal. And while he was in the hospital, his mom gave him a copy of the book Grey's Anatomy. You know, which is, like, an, like full of anatomy, like, illustrations oh, yeah. and shit. And it is so clear. Like, his work is so clearly influenced by this book. Like, the work with anatomy and things yeah. like that. That's um,
2: interesting, dude. Because yeah. um, I'm just still thinking about Frida. When Frida was confined to her bed for, like, a year and a half, these medical mm-hmm. books, yeah. with medical illustrations were hugely influencing to, like, her aesthetic Definite at the time. time. Yeah.
1: And that's very much what happened with Basquiat. And if you go back and look at a lot of his work, like, you're going to find, one, you're going to find illustrations of things that clearly, you know, look influenced by an anatomy text. You're also going to find images of cars mm-hmm. and and transportation yes. and, like... So there is as his work as we said it's definitely neo expressionism it's super expressive there's definitely expression of important things that happened in his childhood also, it's been described as his way of creating art is him kind of channeling his inner child. Yeah. And that is beautiful. Like, I and think that's It's that, not primitive. It's not primitive. It's him yeah. expressing some very real emotion of being a child. It's Dude, not yeah. like. Why is the
2: child primitive? I don't exactly. understand that. It's like, oh, are you just like the child is trapped in some sort of innocent, like, framework that, like, is untouched? Children are super fucking observant and observe and absorb everything around them. Children are the best. Referring referring to children as somehow untouched or pure or innocent is so like... Yeah, or primitive. And like, so there's this
1: cross, yeah, this cross area of being like, oh... So some of his work is childlike, therefore it's primitive. And it's like, no, bitch. No. Like, that's not what's going on here. Like, first off, like, I have been working with children for, like, over ten years. I love children. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. They're, like, their eyes are so open in ways you... Ours just
2: aren't anymore,
1: you know? Like, they're just... Like, the creativity that flows out of them is crazy. They're
2: not hella jaded.
1: Exactly. And it's beautiful. And the fact that Basquiat could, like... Channel that, but still represent it in a mature way is genius, and it is in no way primitive. You know,
2: it's don't ever call it primitive. Like if you (laughs) ever call it primitive in my fucking face, I'm gonna be mad, and we're gonna fight because that shit's super lame. I'm so sick of people saying that things made by people of color are somehow primitive yeah oh there's a racial angle it's primitive what does that mean like who makes these distinctions oh it's white europeans for real
1: uh basquiat's work is in no way primitive it's actually like a genius expression of the entire human experience so fuck off i mean i think we're definitely in a place where at least people appreciate art understand that more now if you're ever about to to talk about any any art as primitive just don't just like don't
3: yeah
2: like check yourself before you wreck yourself for real because you're gonna look like a dumb idiot and no one (laughs) wants to be that person to be like well actually you're a dumb piece of shit like just don't refer to things Um, as primitive
1: but while while we're kind of discussing some of these harder more problematic aspects
3: problematic
1: okay so first off Jean-Michel Basquiat, man of color, making art, doesn't mean every one of his works is about being a man of color because, like, that's also a problem is being like, hey, this person of a certain cultural background is Only
2: makes that. Yeah,
1: that's not okay. But he did make art that did reference specific things about being a black man. There
2: was a racial angle. There was a racial angle
1: to a lot of his work. So he used the crown emblem a lot. Like, he would... A lot of his mm-hmm, works involve mm-hmm. a crown and it had to do with black kings. Yes, black kings. Basically trying to represent powerful black men as kings because they are have, at that point so rarely had been represented that way. So there was obviously a, a powerful like racial undertone there. He did work. That very much resonated with his experience as a black man. Like he he referenced famous jazz artists. He referenced famous black athletes. Like, so race was a part of his work. And he was trying to bring that to the forefront. And then especially, you know, 1980s. Police brutality as an issue was a big thing in the 80s into the early 90s. Totally,
2: dude, because the 80s was, like, the whole crack epidemic it, yeah. and the whole, like, AIDS epidemic. And, yeah. like, these things wouldn't be epidemics if legislators were even, like, remotely concerned for issues affecting, like, black inner mm-hmm. city communities. Exactly, exactly. So there's a graffiti
1: artist by the name of Michael Stewart that was arrested for graffiti art because for some reason that was a travesty like to paint yeah. shit on those. How
2: dare you Yeah, spray paint <laughs> on this abandoned building? Yeah. Anyway,
1: so he was arrested and then he was beaten to death by oh. Five white police officers. And as you can imagine, this affected Jean Michel Bassiat in a very like real yes. way because that easily could have been him. Yes. Like he was wow. out there doing the exact same Holy thing. Holy shit. I know, super fucked up. Like it's so fucked up. That was a time period where I think a lot of his work was a lot more focused yes. on issues of race and um, definitely uh, a intensely social political aspect of his work too but at the same time that wasn't all his work right i think that's really important to recognize too is like because people are so quick to put you know artists of color into this box of like they can only make art that's about their experience as like a black man or like
2: yeah i think that black artists have a really difficult time navigating their identities as a black artist for because real when you become a black artist so I'm like you know there are uh theoretical air quotes around yeah, black artists so many air quotes in I, know, I know I <laughs> know I'm just like expecting you guys to like figure it out but <laughs> you know this idea of the black artist it's like you are given a responsibility to represent problems and issues within the black community when you become a black artist. It's the same as being a Chicano artist. Or yeah. a female, or artist, a female artist, artist, artist. Or a female artist or a like gay artist or a yeah. trans artist. All of these things, it's like if you if you're not a white male artist, your art is suddenly about the group that is you you represent. represent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know whatever your prefix is, you better make sure that you're representing that. <laughs> And I think that's fucked. And that's like the world that like basketball was like put into. And I think that that's unfair, you know, because thinking of this issue as like someone who is like a person of color, even though my skin is so much lighter than Jenny and Corey's, I don't get out into the sun Because I'm afraid of melanoma. (laughs) Um, So I don't really get in the sun very much. I'm the whitest Mexican you've ever seen. So like white skin, but my hair is black. Um, Anyway, basically, the point what I'm trying to say is that when you have some sort of affiliation with being a person of color, it's Mm. like you suddenly take on this whole responsibility to represent the community that... Other people have like said that you're a part of. Mm-hmm, definitely. You know? mm-hmm. So even if I've never come out like formally and been like, I am a representative <laughs> of the Chicana community, someone else is gonna make that judgment. Yeah. And that's what happens with artists like Basquat and like why I feel his work has either been like pigeonholed Or it's been like discredited. Definitely, I feel like he's been pigeonholed as an artist of color, or he has been somehow discredited as being a, as being someone who like leached off of Andy Warhol. Yeah,
3: or like Madonna's, which is right, right,
2: which is such (laughs) bullshit. Because first off, Andy
1: Warhol leached off Basquiat. Like, let's be real, like parasitic, (laughs)
2: parasitic shit. Warhol knew he was going down. (laughs) He was like, I'm old. My shit. I've been. been, shot. Shot. I've been- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got shot. Oh, yes, he got shot. By this lady who was, <laughs> like, a, you know, a lady with some problems, all right? He knew a lady with some problems. <laughs> she met him, Miss uh, Valerie Solanas, a radical feminist. She wrote the Scum Manifesto. Oh, yeah. The Society for Cutting Up Men. <laughs> That's intense. Damn. She had a degree in psychology. Her tagline for the Scum Manifesto was, Overthrow the government, eliminate the money system, institute complete automation, and eliminate the male sex.
1: Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm with her on some of it, but A like bit. Yeah,
2: like some of it. Uh, so she <laughs> yeah. she accused I mean, right now I want to overthrow the government. Fuck the government. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to eliminate the males. No, no, None of us here want that. <laughs> I really like you guys.
1: It um, reminds me of the episode of Rick and Morty where they go mm-hmm. to that that universe where they just use men for breeding. Do
2: you remember <laughs> that episode? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: But they're all doing like really stereotypical feminine things, like like they the way they they talk to each other is like I'm here if you need to talk.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Um What was that that article though about that I told you to screenshot the.
2: Oh, uh, you guys oh, got to hear Wait, it. I didn't finish what I was about fin- to say. Finish, finish. Oh, all I really had to say was that um, <laughs> she had a play that she wanted Andy Warhol to produce. It was called Up Your Ass. <laughs> and she accused him of stealing her script. And she was very disgruntled over Sorry. what she believed to be an injustice. <laughs> and she went to the factory on June 3rd, 1968 and shot Warhol three times. <laughs> And he... He almost died. He almost died. Yeah. He suffered from um, complications from his gunshot wounds for the rest of his life until he died in, um, I believe he passed away in 1988, of complications from... He like died eight in 1988,
1: too? Yeah. 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 Cause um, ba- okay, so Basquiat died August 12th,
2: 1988. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I have 1987, but I think it was, like, closely thereafter. At the age of 58, he had complications from gallbladder surgery that were further complicated by his gunshot wounds, and after Andy Warhol passed away, Basquiat, who actually really loved Andy... uh, Yeah, they were tight. ...got super depressed and just started doing, like, mad heroin, and he passed away... On August 12th, 1988, was exactly. a heroin overdose at age 27. Yeah,
1: 27 Club, along with Dang. Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse, Janis Joplin, Janice Joplin, Joplin, Heath Ledger, Jimmy Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix Kurt Cobain, 27 Club, man. Yeah. I made it through. I'm at
2: 28. I made I'm it not through. 28 yet. <laughs> I, I need to, like, tread carefully. If you're
1: younger than 27, watch yourself.
2: Yeah, watch don't yourself. die. I, I'm you guys. trying to watch myself. <laughs> don't join. Just that don't. Club.
1: Okay, but like, let's be real. Just don't do heroin. Yeah, everyone in the twenty-seven club also did heroin. So don't do heroin. You're gonna be fine. Just don't <laughs> ever put a needle in don't, your arm, man.
3: Like I'm o- like seriously, Unless you're giving blood and it's done by profession. Yeah, yeah.
1: like I'm o- like do your thing. Like you want to explore stuff, fine. Just don't do heroin. Just don't do heroin. It'll literally like, kill you. Seriously, there are other drugs you can try that it's won't not kill that you. Cool. Like don't it's do heroin. Heroin's heroin's Ayahuasca. Cool. Cool. Do. do do shrooms, acid. Do LSD. Don't do
2: heroin. Do like, ayahuasca and be like the guy from Altered States. He turned yeah. into a monkey. Yeah, that's badass. There's so many it's other better than dying. <laughs> there's so many
1: other drugs. Don't do heroin. PSA. Yeah, don't that do was, heroin. We are history, Are against saying. heroin. We are. We're not about heroin. But, <laughs> so we got we got this great, this beautiful headline from. From the, the
3: fucking sun. From the sun that Diddy's going to read for oh. you. So I, this was just published last month. Did we month, switch wine? I um, oh, we did. <laughs> a while ago. Oh, yeah. yeah do you yeah.
1: want to switch back? No, it's okay. fine.
3: <laughs> so the headline for this is, who's that guy? <laughs> How Madonna's junkie ex became an art hero with peace fetching million pounds 29 years after he died of a heroin overdose. Oh, he fetched it.
2: He just fetched
3: it. Which I just thought was like crazy. Like,
2: honestly, okay, so. Madonna's washed up, and I don't care what you say. Yeah. (laughs) I don't I don't like her, also, and I. Okay. Okay,
3: before we get into the (laughs) Madonna hate. I do have a really good quote from Madonna about
1: Basquiat okay, that I, I want to read. because it, yep, It's mm-hmm. a good quote, and I think it captures what Basquiat was about in a very okay. real way. He loathed the idea that art was appreciated by an elite group. He used to say he was a, he was jealous of me because music is more accessible and it reached more people. Whoa. Which is beautiful. That's a good quote. I know, because once again, going back to our earlier conversation... While Basquiat wanted to be successful, he wanted like he was hella competitive. It's really interesting because he lived this like Bohemian lifestyle, but I feel like he was such a perfect balance of like he was Bohemian, I'm just like living my life. But he he was competitive. He wanted to be the best. Yeah. And he wanted to do good work. And so it's this this crazy balance. But at the end of the day, like he didn't want his art to just be for the elite. Like yeah. he wanted it to
2: be for people. Right. And
1: I think that's like the most important thing
2: about his shit. That's why I wish that more of his street art existed, you know? Yeah. That shit's been painted over a million times over, but I don't know. I just think that, yeah, he may have been stoked that his work went for so much, but he might have also felt, like, perverse. Exactly.
1: I mean, there's no doubt that he wasn't in some way, like, your tragic kind of tortured artist to an extent. I think he struggled with fame in a very real way. Which, you know, compounded with Andy Warhol and the heroine and shit yeah. got out of hand. And Madonna. I don't know. Like, I guess Madonna was pretty cool back in at that time. She but, was
2: fine. You know,
1: like. Whatever. Like a virgin was kind of a jam. But, she had some like,
2: pretty cool <laughs> nudes um, yeah. that came around. What was that book? That
1: book. Oh
3: Um, oh. what the fuck was that book called? I don't remember. It was super erotic. I can't remember. She had like the biggest I remember finding that in Barnes and Noble as a child. Yeah. And like the pages were so bent from like so many people flipping through it, probably a lot of like you know, fourteen year olds
2: yes, yes. Yeah. She had like a like a working woman's bush. Well that was like the Steves in the eighties, wasn't it? Yeah. Let's bring that shit back. Oh, I thought we were about to flip to like a page of her book. <laughs> no, I just Corey's flipping through a book right now and I was like, Oh are we about to see Madonna's bush? I can't no, wait. I just wanted, cause
1: obviously we're like wrapping up. I kinda just wanted to look at some of his paintings and talk about them a little bit. Um, because his shit's so cool. I've got a couple books. I went to the library today and picked up. I wanna up hang out with him, dude. A couple dude, I was at the library today and it was just it was just infested with undergrads studying Ew, for finals. And, get I was, out. <laughs>
2: and I was like, you guys are such a
1: sucker Nobody
2: likes you. <laughs> just kidding. We like yeah, you. Yeah, we like you. We're but i like being shit talkers. Oh, beautiful. We like some Philistines from 1982. It's gorgeous. Oh, this is very nice. I enjoy it very much. <laughs> Acrylic <laughs> colored oil. Are beautiful. Paint stick on canvas, 72 by 123 inches. That's a good size. He did a lot of he did a lot of large scale paintings.
1: This is really cool though. He's got those faces. So like the painting that he sold for the one hundred ten million, it's it's an untitled work. We'll post it on on our images, but it it's one of his one of his faces. Would you call it?
2: Primitive? No, fuck no.
1: <laughs> I will never call any work primitive. <laughs>
2: like if the words primitive come out of my mouth, it's because I am judging you for forgetting how to use <laughs> basic amenities <laughs> as an adult. <laughs>
1: This is also a cool thing he would do. So his work incorporated, like, words a lot. Yeah. Um, he was very poetic. And he would do this thing where he would, like, write words and then he'd cross them out. And the reason he, he said he would do that is because if you cross out a word, it makes people want to read it more. True. That's true. Isn't that dope?
2: If I see something crossed out, I'm like, what did you say? Yeah. Ooh, oh, head.
1: That's, that's beautiful. 1981. Man. Head. Head. His heads are legit. Mm-hmm. Let's see.
2: I just dig this... So yeah. much. There's math.
1: That There's math on the <laughs> Yeah. Yes. His work is seriously so Formula. cool. Formula. Like I said, I was talking about this earlier. I haven't seen very much Basquiat in oh. person. Oh!
2: Yes, dude. I knew he was influenced by this mm. motherfucker. Kirshner. Yeah, Kirshner is a dark I have naked lady in my yes. bathroom. Yes, I
1: know. Cy Twombly too. He
2: was. Yeah. Cy Twombly. He was
1: really into Da Vinci. He would, like, do I a mean, lot of shit with him. Say Who's I whose
2: him? man's is this? <laughs> Da Vinci's man. Oh. <laughs> I mean yeah, Da Vinci's man. Sure. <laughs> da Vinci knew what he was talking yeah. about. Ew. Ew, oh so yellow gonna... Christ. Get him out of here. <laughs> anyway. There he is oh. with Andy. Oh, what's
1: the work? Um is it Dos Cabezas, the work with yeah, yeah.
2: him and Andy?
1: You did it's a really great painting and it's like it's his signature like heads, but it's, it's actually, and it's really
2: sweet. It's like a very well made, uh, representation of Basquiat and Andy in Basquiat's style. And, um, I think it's really cute. I think it's just kind of encapsulates their friendship. This oh, is an important one. Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah. Yes. So
1: it's untitled parentheses Sugar Ray Robinson, 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, this work was very much in that, like what we were talking about when he, he got representative of his experience as a black male and was very, there it is. Um, it was very into just representing important, you know, black male athletes and, and important people in history. And it's just like, it's almost kind of minimalist. It's just black yes. and there's this yes. face and the crown and there's the Sugar Ray Robinson, but it's just mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. It's, yeah, I wonder how much of this went for. I wonder how, like, who owns this.
2: I hope Sugar Ray Robinson owns it. <laughs> It'd be so dope. Yeah, a lot.
1: Of, he had paintings of, like, boxers and baseball players. What else do we have in here? Yeah, so we've got the Dos Cabezas 1982. It's...
2: I love it. I love it too. I love it so much. Do you look at his like happy face? I know. They <laughs> yeah. just look I'm like happy man. They just look like friends. They're <laughs> they like, man. hey, my friend. I'm paint you guys in this style. We're like
1: my <laughs> friends. Cool. Oh. My friends. I'm down. Holy he friend, also he had an insane amount of work. Like he, I swear, this man never slept in his 27 years. He probably didn't. I. That's why he probably only yeah, lived
3: to be twenty. I know
1: he was. He made
3: so incredibly much work. prolific. Yeah, like it. It is really, really astounding. And there's just so much of just it. Just between like,
2: 1983 and 1985, with Warhol, he created over 200 collaborative works. Oh, look at him! I know. Keep on. Oh, also, he Steve was hairy. He was spoiled boys. He was super tight with <laughs> Keith Haring,
1: who we'll also do an episode about because I'm a little obsessed I with Keith. I love Keith
2: Haring. Um, he's a guy.
1: He, yeah. <laughs> he is. He's such a he's such a guy. But we're looking at a super
2: cute picture of Basquiat just giving him a little kiss on They're the forehead. They're just like so cute. They're I super just, cute. Oh, I just wish that I was best friends with someone like that. I Wait, know, right? I am actually.
1: Yeah, there's just, God, there's so much work. We'll do our best to put some of it up, but like... You guys, we do our best. You guys got to watch, you have to watch Basquiat, which is the fictionalized mm. one Yeah, it's it's very good. It's very good and then and that's Basquiat, the one Basquiat: Radiant Child. And then you have yeah. to watch the documentary which is on YouTube for free called The Radiant Child. So good. It's very good and just like captures him and you'll get to experience him and all of his enigmatic, mysterious beauty. He was so cool. I want to be, like, one-tenth as cool as he is. I like, think you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, he loves Mark Twain, too. Mark Twain. Mark Twain, yeah. Mark Twain, What's Mark his Twain. his favorite author, which I think is super cute. Like, he really liked Mark Twain. And, like, Mark Twain Me is... Me, too. Such, a, such the American author. Like, I love it. I mean, we could talk about Bosket, I feel like, for, like, a really long time. Nah, we're cool right now. Um, uh, <laughs> but we have... So much listener mail. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry we're falling behind angels, everyone.
2: But there's so much. There's no way we can. Yeah, keep so I'm all literally
1: just picking a few out of the hat and Let's we're going to just talk about them because we have so much and you guys are so great. Like, seriously, you're amazing. I you okay. love it. Here's a good one. This one's coming from Shannon. Hey, Art History Babes, I just listened to your podcast on Salvador Dali and was so excited to see the episode because I'm currently reading this autobiography, The Secret Life of Salvador Dali. In your episode, you were talking about his king's costume and (laughs) and questioning how and why he got it. He actually addresses this in his prologue and says that he admired and actually wanted to be Napoleon. Oh, we said that. We said that. And that... On the day of the Feast of Kings, his parents actually bought oh. him a crown and cape. I guess his parents didn't know all of the details of what he'd be doing in his costume. Yeah. 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 LOL. <laughs> oh, He
3: shit. was so probably, like, Napoleon <laughs> and fucking Hitler.
1: He had a literal <laughs>
2: Napoleon complex.
1: complex. for real. God. Um. Anyways, hope this helps a little. Love your podcast, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. That is great. That's uh, a great little factual <laughs> opinion. enjoyed tidbit. that. Yeah. Um, oh, man. That's, that's good. And we'll do one other one. We got a witness. We'll stay on the, the subject of Dali. Oh. Okay, so we've got a witness to Dali fraud here. Here's some Salvador Dali feedback. There's a journalist who witnessed Dali signing blank lithographs. Yeah. Dolly and his manager did this right in front of him, apparently with no problem. Don't doubt it. And Dolly's late-life muse, Amanda Lear, also joked about it to the journalist whom she was acquainted and or friends with. See article linked below. So it didn't seem to be such a huge secret that does raise the question whether the art world just didn't want to actually reveal the facts. If Dali and his manager were not actually being very secretive about it, maybe they knew how the art world works.
2: I believe it. Yeah.
1: By art world, I mean the art, quote, establishment and commercial side. We feel you, bro. Of course, it's fraudulent on Dali's side, but it does expose many flaws in the art market. Word. Anyway, a guy called Mick Brown went to interview Dali and spent a day with him and his entourage in 1973. Here's a link to an article. With the journalist retelling Ooh! what happened, we'll put this on our our links. It's gonna be good. Um, uh, my weekend with Salvador Dali. That must have been a weird time. I know, right? But anyways, yeah, so the whole Dali fraud thing, I think I think that's a really fair point to bring up and, and we kind of addressed it a little bit, is like how much of it was fraud and how much of it was the art world just being like, ah fuck it. You yeah. Know?
2: <laughs> like, Dude, I think it was we've already books. said art. The art
3: market is really problematic. It's so and problematic, and, and we'll do it. Very a- complex. It
2: makes no sense. Like it could be anything. It could. Um, I could be like, wow, my toenail is going to go for two hundred k, ladies and gentlemen. The toenail from Jennifer's right foot on sale now <laughs> on Sotheby's. Sotheby's. Okay, did I say it wrong? Did I say it wrong? How do you say it? Sotheby's. Oh. Okay, my bad. Whatever, dude. Fuck Spanish was my first language. <laughs> Get out of my face. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we'll definitely at some point do just an episode on us bitching about the art market because I think we have
2: lots of feelings about it. But this was a good like intro. Yeah, it
1: was. Also, just to be fair, uh like I said we were celebrating the Dubs winning the finals. So,
2: if my this- babe is the one. Guys. <laughs> Clay Thompson, I love you. Please marry me.
1: <laughs> He's married, bro. No!
2: Yeah. <laughs> Divorce her and He's marry He's married. Me. He's married. Whatever.
1: But I literally marry any of Iggy? Iggy. Oh, man. Iggy's my boy. I don't even know who that is. Andrea Godala. Ooh, oh, fuck. Sorry. I love Iggy. KD. Curry. Mm. Curry is the. H- I'm not attracted to him. Oh, I'm taking He looks G- like a little boy, to No, me. no, he's hot. I know. No, like- <laughs> Corey and I argue about this all the <laughs> She's time. She's a Clay Thompson girl. I'm a Steph Curry girl. Clay Thompson is so much hotter. <laughs> um, just FYI. Yeah. But, like. But man, they killed it tonight. So yeah, we were already in a celebratory mood when we started yeah. this episode. So hopefully you could follow what we were saying. But you know, I think it that was we were very, very eloquent
2: and um, congratulations for listening to this <laughs> badass episode.
1: Congratulations.
2: Okay, congratulations. <laughs> we've done it. This is the first episode we've recorded since we in submitted a our long thesis. Time. Woo! So. Even if it's, like, kind of rusty, I literally don't care. Because this is the best you can expect from us.
1: <laughs> Anyways, um, we would really like to hear your feedback on Basquiat, because there's, like, so much to talk about. Give it
2: to me, babe.
1: Yeah, and we would just like to hear all of your thoughts, really, on the Basquiat selling for 110 mil, on his work, on whatever we talk about. Send, anything.
2: Send us your thoughts. Did you
1: think Andy Warhol was a parasite? We want to
2: know. I want to know. Um,
1: so email us at babes at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram yeah. art, at Art History Babes Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, y'all, because like our Twitter game isn't the greatest. So like we're
2: working on we're it. We're
1: working on it though. So follow us on Twitter. We can like help amp that up at Art History Babes. Like us on Facebook, Art uh, History Babes. Uh what else? I'm at uh Tumblr, history Tumblr dot com. Patreon. Patreon.com slash art history babes. Oh shit. Oh, shit. Also, we're gonna get on that YouTube vibe. We have a YouTube tube channel, so follow it because, like, we're gonna start recording We're gonna do videos.
2: more over the summer. We're gonna just oh yeah, we do, have like a couple video videos days. sitting on yeah. the dog. Yeah, like, yeah. We're the gonna... Bob
3: Ross drinking game. Oh, oh shit, shit. Oh, I
2: almost
1: shit. forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna start getting videos out there, and we're also gonna be doing some blogging, like Ooh. hardcore. Look out for our travel blog. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's going
2: to be so good. You we guys, are going to be
1: throwing so much content We're away. going
2: to be in Berlin, like, your love, it takes me <laughs> high, high, high <laughs> Haven't I been before? <laughs>
1: Exactly. Um this summer just be expecting mad content from so Eric much debate.
2: Content. Content.
1: We're doing it. We're making it
2: happen. Content. 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 Content.
1: content. <laughs> um Thank you so much for listening. You all are great. We love you. We love you so much. I love you. <laughs> Go dubs. <laughs> 20, 2017. Woo! NBA champions.
3: That's the one. We are Would happen. I just be like, oh, I'm gonna go pee, guys. See you in a bit. Like, go down some like dark stone stairwell and just like emerge into some shit that I in like a I vampire's shouldn't. den. Yeah, <laughs> and just be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> nine, nine, nine. <laughs>